Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. The nothing personal word of the day, you probably figured out what it is. It's cat. Not as in pussy cat, not as in pussy galore, as in black cat. As in, were you watching the Giants-Cowboys game when a black cat took over the entire game? There was a cat delay. I've seen a lot of delays in my time, never for a cat. What I don't like about black cats being on the field is that it gives the losing team an excuse. And that's just what my New York Giants did. They came up with a plethora of excuses all based on the life of a cat. I never really understood superstitions. Don't walk under ladders. Don't be near a black cat. How can you help be near a black cat? What if you own a black cat? Does that mean that you have an unlucky life? I think people who own black cats are probably lucky. I think it's possible that the cowboys put the black cat there. So guess what? Cat is my word of the day, and the giants still definitely stink. Last night at midnight was the time. Best time of year. What happened? MLB free agency kicked off. Why do they kick off at midnight? Well, let me tell you. It's so people like me can tell you a story that you probably won't believe but is completely true about MLB free agency. The rules are as follows. Five days after the end of the World Series, which is the final day of the championship season, MLB free agency commences. That means that you are then free to sign free agents and you are free to meet and start discussions with said free agents. Before that, you're not supposed to have any conversations at all. Well, on behalf of the former Miami Marlins, I'd like to speak about all 30 teams in Major League Baseball and tell you that rule is just not followed. The reason why the rule was put in place to begin with is in the old days, MLB wanted teams who had their own free agents to have sort of like, not an exclusive period, but like a quiet period where you're just talking to your own free agent. Picture right now the Astros talking to Garrett Cole and no one else. Do you think that's possible? Picture the Nationals speaking to Steven Strasburg after he opts out. Do you think that's possible? No. So all the teams are talking to all the players, the agents are talking to the teams, and there's sort of a dance going on. And what do players love who are gonna be free agents? They love to be feted. And I don't just mean with gifts, because the only gift they want is actually money. I'm talking about little things, little things that can make a difference. So I bring you back to five days after the 2011 World Series, and I'm in New York City. Go to a Broadway play with the then president of baseball operations and the GM of the team, who is now the current president of baseball operations, as well as our vice president of player personnel. So we went to see a play, I believe it's called War Horse. Yes, the play was not memorable. I'm not even gonna review it on this show. The reason why we were able to go to dinner and a play, just ourselves, four guys, having fun, is that we had to wait till midnight to go to a special meeting. And this meeting was with the then free agent, the king of the free agent crop, Jose Reyes. Do you remember when Jose was a free agent? He left the Mets, there was all sorts of talk. Should the Mets re-sign him? The Marlins were opening up a new ballpark and we were looking for a splash sign. And lo and behold, we said, well before the deadline, we made it very clear to Jose Reyes that we wanted him. So 
we said, we will meet you at 12 midnight plus a second. As soon as it becomes legal, we want to sit with you. And where do you go at midnight in New York City? We went to a bar, of course. So we're sitting there after the play and we're getting drinks and we're waiting because the runtime of the play was about two hours shorter than your average MLB game. So we had plenty of time to spare. So we get there, we order some drinks, having fun. In comes the owner, Jeffrey Loria, who owned the team and he's got this overcoat on. It's winter New York because it's, call it around Halloween, November 1st. And he's got a long overcoat on and he walks in with a big smile on his face and we're wondering what he has up his sleeve. All that I wanted to have up his sleeve was extra money and extra years so we could sign this guy because I know he wanted him. We were there to sort of calm him down, not go crazy. He comes in, he opens his coat like a flasher, like wide open like this, and I'm thinking, ah! And there it was, a Marlins Jose Reyes jersey. Jeffrey had a jersey made by our clubhouse guy, and it was Reyes and the number seven in the new Marlins uniform. So, and the uniforms at that time had not been released because we unveiled the new logo on 11-11-11, November 11th, 2011. This was prior to that. So Jose Reyes walks in at about 12.05 with his agents, and we all know what we're doing there. It's all very clear. We're not there to drink. We're not there to tell funny stories. We're only there to see whether or not Jeffrey will be willing to go over $100 million, which is what was made clear to us. If you want him and you want him now, you gotta go over $100 million in a guarantee. That was not a deal that any of us wanted to do, but we got swept up in the excitement of the new ballpark, swept up in what it means to get a free agent of Jose Reyes' caliber, so we decided we were gonna give. But that still didn't mean Reyes was gonna choose us over New York. So, Reyes walks in, says hello to me, says hello to Jeffrey, says hello to Larry and Mike and Dan, and Jeffrey stands up, he opens his coat, and he shows Jose Reyes his own Marlins jersey. The smile on Jose's face is one I'll never forget because I took a picture of it in my head, not wanting to ruin the moment with a cell phone. And he just smiled. He's got this big, great, very white teeth, had this awesome smile, and I knew we had him. Of course, I had no idea that a year later we'd trade him in one of the most blockbuster fire sales in the history of fire sales. I had no idea that he wouldn't get along with Hanley Ramirez, and I had no idea at that time that 2012 would be the single worst year of my career because we opened the ballpark, nobody came, our team stunk, and we had to trade away the big free agents who we signed. Other than that, it was a perfect start to the season. And that's when I realized that winning the offseason does not mean you win the season. There's a team that's gonna have a very hard time winning either the offseason or the season, and that is uh, your own Boston Red Sox. So all of you fans up in New England, something happened yesterday that you were not too happy with no matter what you say. They bring in a new, he's not the GM, he's not the president of baseball ops. I think he's the chief baseball officer. I'm gonna call him the CBO. And his name is Chaim Bloom, the new CBO. That's like a collateralized bond obligation that sort of brought down the entire economy in the 2008 range. We can talk about that another time. So anyway, Chaim Bloom is the, Bloom is the CBO. J.D. Martinez is a Scott Boris client who has three years left and $62.5 million on his contract. The big question was, would he opt out? And the answer was found in the following quote by my good friend and your good friend and agent, Scotty B. J.D. Martinez has advised me that his decision 
not to opt out is about assuring that he plays for a competitive team (laughs) and wanting to continue to play in a place where he knows that he can be highly productive. Scott Boris telling the Boston Globe. Let's break down that quote. JD has advised me that his decisions about assuring that he plays for a competitive team, no. JD's decision is based on my telling him that he couldn't beat 62 and a half million over three years. Because if I could have gotten more money for JD Martinez, then he would not be playing in a very competitive place where he can be highly productive. It always bothers me when there's quotes like this that are said because they never say what they mean. J.D. Martinez is supposed to come out looking great, saying that he wants to play for a competitive team. Meanwhile, do you know what Chaim Bloom was doing? He was crossing his fingers. He was on his knees. He was praying, please opt out. We need payroll flexibility. We were. I was told I can't be above $208 million, which is the luxury tax threshold of Major League Baseball. So guess what, Red Sox fans? Hello, J.D. Goodbye, Mookie. Is that a trade you want to make? And maybe it's not Mookie. Maybe they trade David Price. Maybe they try to find a taker for Evaldi. Remember that contract? You had to have him after the Great World Series relief appearance, a relief appearance, so he gets 51 million. Come on. Red Sox are in trouble, and JD is just a small part of that. There's another team that uh, we like talking about here, and that is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Why are we talking about them and talking about my good friend Mike Trout? because he did something yesterday that is truly historic. He is a top three finalist. MLB has a new thing where they announce the three finalists for each award, MVP, Cy Young, Manager of the Year, etc. Mike Trout, shockingly, is in the final three to be the American League MVP. Hint, he's gonna win. But that said, it guarantees that for the eighth time in his career, he will have a top three American League MVP finish. That's a record, ladies and gentlemen. The top two people before that, Lou Gehrig and Yogi Berra. They each had seven years of top three finishes. Now, what do Yogi Berra and Lou Gehrig have that Mike Trout doesn't, other than a color photograph? A ring. Berra and Gehrig have plenty of rings. Mr. Trout has no rings. So, Would he ever trade being an MVP to get a ring? That's a conversation I had with Andre Dawson, who I was lucky enough to have as my special assistant from 2002 to 2017. I watched every home game with him. Imagine sitting with two Hall of Famers, Andre Dawson and Tony Perez, every single day. You're just a sponge. You can't believe you're there. You have this opportunity to spend time. So, of course, we get to talk about everything, from the innocuous to the banal to things that I can't even talk about here but I will, maybe later. So I once spoke to Andre about winning the MVP. As you may recall, he's an MVP winner for the Chicago Cubs on a team that finished in last place. And Andre Dawson never won a championship ring until we won it with him for the 2003 Marlins. And he was quite excited. He told me something that I'll never forget. A team victory will always overshadow personal achievement because in team victories, every person's star rises. I love that about Andre, and I spoke to him about it a lot, actually, because I was curious if he really meant that, because if you're the MVP, you get paid. And he would always point out that actually, the way I get paid is by being on winning teams and being good on winning teams. And Mike Trout has never had that opportunity. They are in a playoff drought, 
and it is up right now to Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, to take this MVP, this perennial top three MVP, this record holder, and surround him with players. Better choices. Better choices than they've made. It's not that Moreno doesn't spend money. Their payroll is around $170 million every single year. They just spend it wrong. So it's up to Moreno to do what very few owners can do, and that's actually be self-aware. Why are you signing players to deals that aren't working? Why are your players underperforming? Well, they tried managers. They had Socha, then Osmus, and then Joe Madden. That's three managers in three years. I've done that. That doesn't exactly lead to consistency. They've tried signing pitching pitchers to free agents. It hasn't worked. They tried trading for players with big contracts. That hasn't worked. So what is the key? Well, this may sound a little off to all of you Trout fans, but what if it's Mike Trout? What if it's possible that Mike Trout isn't someone you can build a team around because he's so easygoing and so such a good guy? Maybe you need a little red down in your tuchus if you're gonna be a leader of a team and being the highest paid athlete on the team. And maybe you're not gonna take it anymore and you're gonna shove the spread over in the kitchen. You're gonna yell, you're gonna break some furniture. Remember when Commissioner Rob Manford said that Mike Trout should be more out there, he should be the face of MLB. And there was a whole big to-do about that debate. Well, Mike Trout is not the face of MLB because if you don't play in October, you can't be the face. So there's only one person who wants LA to succeed more than Artie Moreno, and that's Commissioner Rob Manford. Because with Mike Trout in October, his numbers go up, and then he gets more money. So this is the most fascinating offseason of Mike Trout's career, and he is at the mercy of his owner and his general manager to make the right decisions because the free agents are out there to make his team better. There's pitching, there's hitting, position players, there's defense, Anthony Rendon gives you all of that, Cole gives you innings and winning and perfect clubhouse chemistry other than the Boris hat that he had after the World Series. Strasburg, anybody, anybody, that's a real wait to see. And if you watch the rest of Nothing Personal, we do a wait to see at the end of every single show. Will this be my wait to see today? I think not. There's something way better going on in Major League Baseball right now. I can't believe how excited I am that something happened right before we went on air today. And uh, shocking but true, the owner of the Los Angeles Chargers lost his mind. Literally lost it. So here's the backstory. Dean Spanos is the 69-year-old owner of the now Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers just moved to LA from San Diego. They play in a 27,000-seat arena, which frankly is never full of Chargers fans. The only fans who were there last week were Packer fans watching the Packers get dismantled in a fit of despondency. It was silent. It was a home game. You had Philip Rivers, the quarterback for the home team, going like this, raising his arms, telling the crowd to get louder, as opposed to telling them to be quieter on offense. It was totally crazy. So, rumors come out today that London is looking for a team and the Chargers may be just that team. Well, guess what, folks? That's not gonna happen because there's a brand new stadium opening in Los Angeles that will be the home of the Los Angeles Chargers. So how is it they could be in London? Well, we've talked about on Nothing Personal that London's gonna get more games, maybe a week 17 where every single week there'll be a game in London. It certainly feels that way now. But could one team move there full-time? I think not. 
Could the Chargers move there full-time? Let's hear what the owner had to say. Now, when you hear on the podcast, that's an actual because I was told I'm not allowed to say mother or bullshit, so I can't do any of that. This is an actual quote from the owner. The report is a lot of crap. We're not going to London. We're not going anywhere. We plan to be in LA for a long in time. That was a bull that story. It's total effing bull okay? This is the owner of the team. We're not going to London. We're not going anywhere. We're playing in LA. This is our home. Sounded like a Billy Joel, Billy Joel song. You're my home. I can only sing 10 seconds of it because of rights. And I have no voice. So the Chargers, trying to be funny from a social media standpoint, they get on their own Twitter account. They see their owner. They're mortified. If my owner ever said that in public, I can't describe to you how freaked out I would be because the last thing you want is like your public-facing, forward-facing owner of the team. You want him to have some gravitas, right? What made Bud Selig famous when he shrugged his shoulders at the All-Star game looking totally befuddled, right? You don't want to see that. You want someone in control, sitting upright, collar correct. You want someone who looks just perfect. Yeah, no. So anyway, so what do they do with the Chargers? They double down on their owner. What choice did they have? They play a clip on their Twitter of Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. The famous scene where he chooses to forego a deal with the government. He was going to plead guilty and give up his firm. Instead, he says, I'm not going anywhere. He takes the microphone and he goes crazy. If you haven't seen the movie, you should see it. Margot Robbie's in the movie. Don't see it with commercials. That's the only thing I'll say about that. Chargers doubling down on social media. I don't approve of that. Not smart, right? Why do we want the Chargers to be associated with a convicted felon for securities fraud? Why do we want the owner of the Chargers to go around swearing? How about this as a statement? I wrote a new statement for Dean Spanos. While we appreciate our friends in London and their desire to have a National Football League team, we could not be happier to be a proud member of the Los Angeles community. We are very excited to move into this brand new building where we are confident we will build a team that generations of Los Angelinos will be proud of. Love, Dean. That may be better. Of course, he doesn't mean that either. So many quotes. There was another one today. What are people doing? I, I can't tell if it's social media or if it's, they, they just have a lot to say or if they're just so insecure that they just want to talk without actually knowing what they're saying. Well, uh, Jimmy Butler. Who's Jimmy Butler, you might be asking, if you're under a rock? Jimmy Butler plays for the Miami Heat or a 5 and one team. Jimmy Butler's had a hard time with organizations and got traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves to the Philadelphia 76ers, where he promptly was a part of the 76ers sort of imploding. He's had trouble pretty much everywhere he's been. And then Pat Riley, who's known for being able to deal with all sorts of personalities, but having the tolerance of only being around people who he wants to be around, trades for Jimmy Butler, gives him an immediate max contract without even living with him first. Never. It's sort of like signing a player who you trade for to an extension. Oh, it's exactly like that. Before you've even met them. Just because you've met them before. Well, as you very well know, it's one thing to be friends with someone. It's quite another to live with them. 
and the Miami Heat may be learning that living with Jimmy Butler may not be the panacea they expected it to be. So he had a problem in Philadelphia. What was that problem? Here's another bleep coming. Mother Blankers, I feel like uh, the match game, right? Remember uh, Gene, was it Gene Rayburn in the match game? He had the long, thin microphone, and you had to basically fill in the blanks. Last night, my car was so hot that I had to drive wearing a blank. That's the match game, and you're supposed to match. So, Mother Blankers act like I'm not a good basketball player, Butler said. Like, for real? Just think about that. Like, I can't come in and make a huge difference? He then went on and on. What I loved about what Jimmy was saying is that he didn't want people to think that he's the number one guy carrying the team, but he wanted to make very clear that he was not the reason for the problem in Philadelphia. Now, the interesting part is it's possible the Sixers had addition by subtraction because the Sixers are 5-1 and one having lost their first game to the Phoenix Suns last night. But the Heat are also 5-1, and one, though three of those games were missed by Jimmy Butler when he was on an extended paternity leave to start his Miami Heat career. So, with the Heat, they're two, he's 2-1 two and one as sort of a plain member, but the team overall is 5-1. and one. They've got the best records. What do you do if you're Pat Riley and you read a quote like this when he talks about things with Philadelphia? He talks that Joel Embiid is a good friend of his, and they talk all the time but it's really become a little bit more about Jimmy Butler. And this Heat team, the reason they're winning is they're getting production from unexpected places. And when you've got that type of chemistry, what you don't want is a superstar coming in and becoming sort of like the sun where all the other players revolve around that player. Because if you want players revolving around a player, you don't choose that player to be Jimmy Butler. And the Heat sort of expected bringing him in and signing him to that deal that they wanted him to be the sun but the problem is, when you revolve too close to the sun, do you know what happens? You burn your kishkas off. Yes, that's your legs in Yiddish. And what the Heat are in danger of is burning themselves because they've attached their star, pun intended, to a very mercurial, stay with me, a mercurial athlete. I don't know how this ends except for without a ring. Uh, there is a team that did get rings this year, at least they're being designed right now, and that is the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Washington Nationals went to the White House yesterday. I want to talk about this for a minute because uh, I don't really understand or appreciate what's happening right now. Everyone has a right to go to the White House or not go to the White House. I don't care. Once you're on a championship team and you don't want to show up, don't show up. If you want to go, go. If you want to genuflect in the direction of the president, genuflect. If you want to thumb your nose and ignore the president, thumb your nose and ignore the president. What I want to know is, what happened to the allure of being in our nation's capital at the White House? One of the first things I thought of when we won the World Series in 2003, literally in the clubhouse celebrating, two things occurred to me in this order, which is very bizarre. The first one is that our coaching staff and Jack McKee and our manager we're going to get to coach the All-Star game the next year. And I thought that was incredibly cool because I would go to an All-Star game where our coaching staff were the coaches. The second thing is that we get to go to the White House. What kid hasn't dreamt of going to the White House as part of a championship team? 
where you actually get to present the president with a jersey. You get to see the White House, and I don't mean on a tour. This is actually a ceremony just for your team. And the president at the time was George Bush. This was two years after 9-11. And uh, it, it wasn't about politics. It was about going to the White House and being a part of something that we all dreamt of, right? Being a part of a championship team where in America, where it's a free country, therefore you're free to go and free not to go. But the symbol of that freedom is that house. Think about that White House, where it is in the middle of Washington. That's a total, that's a big statement to the rest of the world, right? This is us. Come get us. We're in the White House. I didn't care who the president was. I don't agree with everything any president, I don't agree with everything any president has done, personally. There's no perfect president. But it's not about that. I'm not gonna criticize another player for the decision to go or not go. I'm not gonna criticize another player for wearing a Make America Greats uh, hat again. I don't know the story of the players. Doolittle, as an example, had a very logical reason why he didn't show up to the White House. Whereas Kurt Suzuki, had a very logical reason why he wore a red Make America Great hat again. To me, it doesn't matter. It takes away from the full story. The full story is the moment. The moment of being with your team, part of a championship. You can't replicate that. It's impossible to do. Many players go their whole career, many executives go their whole career never winning the final game of a season. I want every championship team, every NCAA champion, every professional sports champion to know what it's like just to set grounds on those, on the White House stairs. No matter what you think about the president, take that moment for yourself and use your own thoughts and your own feelings and let them manifest in a way that matters to you, whether it's with some sort of protest or some sort of epiphany about things that you're gonna do better, whatever the case is. Don't give up the opportunity to celebrate at the greatest house, at the greatest address that any country in the world has ever known. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you can't get there without winning. Saw a great movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but how do you not just watch a movie every day? So I do. And the movie I saw yesterday was, uh, maybe it was two days ago, can't remember. Anyway, it's something called Booksmart. What, what attracted me to Booksmart? Two words for you, Olivia Wilde. Yes, Olivia Wilde, you may know her as Jason Sudeikis' wife. Bomber, am I saying that name right? Her husband's name, I think I am. He's that Sudeikis, he's that hugely funny actor who somehow is completely Eddie the Eagle and got to marry Olivia Wilde just because he's an actor. He's totally over his skis. Anyway, she got to make her directorial debut and she chose a script that is quite a statement. It's a story of two high school girls who are really on the outs. They spent their entire high school studying. Never went out, never really had friends, always thought they were above all of sort of the social craziness of high school, and they did it all to get into good schools. I like where their head's at. The only problem is everyone else in the movie got into good schools too. I'd like to know which high school that is because I'm not familiar with any high school where every single kid gets into Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, etc. But in this movie, everyone, including the crazy partying people who normally are the ones like in Animal House where they have a GPA of 0.0. Yeah, apparently in this movie, everyone who parties also gets A's and also goes to Ivy League schools. But these two girls 
couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And then they had the epiphany that all movies are made for. The epiphany was, hey, we better party before it's too late. So it's the story of how two book smart girls decide to spend one night partying, and it's the night before graduation. This is super bad for girls. That's really what the movie is. Coincidentally, wouldn't you know it, Beanie, long dark hair, does she look familiar to you? Look at the way she's tilting her head. Take a look online if you're just listening and not watching. This is an actress who the entire movie, have you ever watched a movie and you're trying to play someone? Well, what, what young people do now is they actually, during the movie, they text and look up on IMDb. They try to figure out what uh, who the person is. I actually pause the movie because I don't want to miss anything, which obviously is a major problem when you're ever watching movies with anyone else because I'm pausing it every time I'm distracted, whereas millennials and other people of such age just push right through. So I paused the movie to find out who this person was who I've been staring at. And once you know it, her name is Beanie Feldstein. Who's Beanie Feldstein? Why is that name important? Take a look again. Yes, that's Jonah Hill's sister. Jonah Hill as in the guy from Superbad and Wolf of Wall Street, among other great movies. Yes, his sister is a phenomenal actress. She has the humor, she has the timing, and she was partnered with a new actress named Caitlin Dever, who I found to be amazing. She's also in this, in this uh, movie poster. This is a must-see movie, not just for high schoolers. The problem with marketing high school movies sometimes is older people get embarrassed that they wanna see movies like this, and they get embarrassed that they're gonna be emotional about movies like this, that it's too beneath them. Well, this movie's not beneath anybody. The themes of this movie matter. It's about what it means to be included, what it means to try too hard, what it means to find your niche, and that doesn't stop in high school. Every time you go to work, you're looking to find your niche. Every time you walk into into uh, any meeting, you're trying to find your niche, a temple, a church, a synagogue, it doesn't matter. You're always looking to figure out what your place is. So the awkwardness of high school, the reason why that's always such a big subject in movies, is because it can make older people feel better about the fact that they're not awkward, or they shouldn't feel awkward, but actually they're more awkward, so they don't want to admit to being awkward, well, go watch Booksmart, and you'll see that awkward can be funny, interesting, and a phenomenal directorial debut by Olivia Wilde. She's got more to come, I can promise you that. Uh, Someone's Always Watching was a, a, a book that I had to read in high school. I went to Horace Mann High School in New York, Yes, that Horace man, the one where uh, if you weren't careful, you had men doing things to you you didn't want. Um, it's a great high school. But we read a book called 1984 by George Orwell. Anyone ever read that? Yeah, Big Brother. If you haven't read it, get the spark notes. It's important. It's one of those things that cultured people can always talk about. Orwellian, George Orwell, somebody's watching, especially true now. Well, somebody's always watching, somebody's always listening, and somebody's always recording. Remember, everybody walks around with a news camera now. It used to be that you were told when the red light was on. Now the red light is always on, and it doesn't mean we're in Amsterdam. So who's the latest victim of the red light brigade? Sir Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's hear what he meant to say to a small group of people, but ended up saying to the entire world. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not the way playing like um, playing at home. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I am a free agent next year, but where does that mean? 
Next question. Next question. Next question. Let's be clear what you just listened to, folks. That's Anthony Davis giving a speech and being asked about Chicago playing for his hometown. And somehow he hinted at saying, you know what? I wouldn't mind having the Chicago Bulls in free agency. I think that would be good. Except for the fact that he plays for the Lakers. And he just started with the Lakers, who traded basically the entire Pelicans team, as it exists now, for Anthony Davis. I doubt they did it for a year. Is it possible the Lakers knew in advance that he wanted to be in Chicago? Is it possible, as the Lakers are saying, that he just wants to be in Chicago at some point before he retires, like Dwayne Wade did, as you recall? Remember Dwayne Wade? Played for the Heat, won the rings, and then went back to Chicago sort of as a nice goodbye so it could feel good. I don't think Anthony Davis had that in mind. I think he was talking about what he was going to do after this year. Or at least he was letting the Lakers know that it's a possibility, so you better run the offense through me, and don't tell me it's LeBron's team, this is my team. Now, of course, you're going to tell me, especially my friend Ruben, the resident Lakers guy, that's the fifth mention in 18 shows, Rube. You're going to tell me that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are best of friends on and off the court. I'm not buying what you're selling. It's very hard to have two egos fit on one team bus. Maybe there's two team buses. Maybe they're best friends who actually do hang out, but guess what? They're competitive. Maybe they realize they need each other. Maybe they re think they may not. My view is they do need each other because individually they've both learned they're not going to get a title. Even LeBron can't get a title on his own. Ruben is telling me something off camera, but he wrote it in a way that is impossible for me to see because it's written so lightly. So I will take 30 seconds out of this show to say, come closer and show me what you're saying. Bulls are trash. <laughs> That's what he wanted me to say. Well, Ruben, if the Bulls got Anthony Davis, they wouldn't be trash anymore, would they? Just like the Lakers are not trash now that they have him. Why is this a problem for me, what Anthony Davis did? It's not what he said that was the issue. It's not understanding his surroundings. His surroundings are when you are giving a speech, we teach our players this. You're always on film. You're always being recorded. Don't turn down a kid for an autograph. Don't swear at a kid. Don't be inappropriate to anybody because you're going to get taped and you're going to get in trouble. Well, Anthony Davis stepped in it this time, and you could see the discomfort. And in that video, it's an audio tape, but in the video part of it, you saw the, the questioner, the interviewer, become very uncomfortable and say, next question, please, which means there's much more to this story. So if I'm the Lakers, what do I do? I'm going up to Anthony Davis right now, today, today, and I'm talking to him about this. I want to understand for real, is this Kevin Durant? Is he leaving? Is he staying? Because if the Lakers don't have a good season and they know they're going to lose him, you got to try to trade him. You got to try to find a way to move him or get some pieces back. Because if he leaves via free agency, they'd end up with nothing. Or do they just say, hey, what's it going to take to keep you here? Can we buy you a house on Mulholland Drive? Whatever it is, they're going to have to do something because Anthony Davis is playing poker and he played it really well. It's your move, Ms. Buss. Well, every day I do a pick and something weird happened last night. Um, we won. Do you remember I picked against the Giants because I wanted the Giants to win and I wanted to miss every pick the way I always have? But all of a sudden, maybe it's just baseball that I can't choose. Wouldn't that be ironic? So, 
Who's the pick of the day today? Well, I'm back to the NBA, and the NBA has gone very well for us, so this is back to the non-fade. This is back to, hey, we're going to win. The Miami Heat are on a road trip beginning tonight. It's the old dreaded West Coast swing. The Nuggets, they're in Denver. The Nuggets are only giving four and a half because the Heat are five and one. Well, I'm willing to tell you right here, and it's not a wait to see. We'll get to the wait to see. But I'm willing to tell you that the Heat will not finish with the number one or number two seed in the Eastern Conference. This is a nice stretch they're having. They're getting great contributions from all over. But anytime you start a West Coast trip in Denver, it's a problem because they're going to have some wind issues. You think I'm wrong? It's real. If you've never been to altitude, go to altitude and run. Just run a mile. Run a half mile. When I was in Denver, one of my early years in baseball, I went on a run and I ran into uh, one of our trainers. And uh, it looked like I was basically in cardiac arrest. Uh, and I ran at a much slower pace than I would run, which means I was practically walking because already I run at a pace that snails barely lose to me. So I'm completely out of breath. I'm completely sweating profusely and I can't catch my breath. And the trainer was actually worried because the trainers of the Marlins knew that I did a lot of running and knew that I was in shape and they wondered what was the problem. And I explained that I train in Florida where the highest altitude you can get is at a garbage dump that's been grassed over with a total elevation like of 70 feet or you can run on the Key Biscayne Bridge, right? I could try that. I've done that a few times. But Denver's hard. So the Heat are going west. It's game one of a West Coast trip. This is the prime example of when you take a home team in Denver when they're the home team against a road team who's starting off way hotter than they should be. So the value is there. I would have given seven and a half in this game. I'm only forced to give four and a half. I'm going for two in a row. I've been hot in the NBA. This is my mortal lock pick of the day. Don't fade me. Go Nuggets. Well, yesterday was a day that uh, brings tears to my eyes. It's a day when you have to decide whether you're going to give a player a qualifying offer. So what's a qualifying offer? A qualifying offer in baseball is the following. When you have a player who's going to be a free agent, which means they've been in the league for over six years, you have the right, given a few other things that don't matter for now, to offer that player a one-year contract called a qualifying offer. It's a one-year contract this year for $17.8 million. I just put my pinky to my mustache like Austin Powers would. Yes, that's $17.8 million for one year. Here's the rub. A player can accept that qualifying offer, and he then has a guaranteed $17.8 million contract. If he turns down the qualifying offer, and the player then signs with another team, the team who had him gets an extra draft pick. So that's the interesting thing about qualifying offers. It's a gamble. If I offer a player a qualifying offer and he doesn't take it and leaves, I get a draft pick. Garrett Cole is going to be a free agent. Would I offer Garrett Cole a one-year $17.8 million contract? Yes. Do I think Garrett Cole is going to take a one-year $17.8 million contract? Not even if a cow jumped over the moon. So I've guaranteed, if I'm the Astros, of getting a draft pick. Of course, unless I resign it myself. But if he signs with any other team, I'll get a draft pick. So 10 players received a qualifying offer. Why is that of note? Because the collective bargaining agreement has made it so players who have qualifying offers attached to them have become less valuable in the open market. And this is a major fight that's going on between the Players Association and the Commissioner's Office. 
So take a player like Will Smith. Will Smith is a reliever, above average reliever. He got a qualifying offer, 17.8 million for a year. If I'm Will Smith, I'm taking that offer because there's no way that I'm gonna get a free agent deal worth more than $17.8 million because if I'm running a team the way I did for 18 years, I'm not giving up a draft pick to sign a reliever and pay him more than $17.8 million, even if I can spread it over two or three years. That's how valuable draft picks are in Major League Baseball. That's why the qualifying offers are so hurtful to the players because it's like this huge picture Santa with his huge sack of toys. That's the sack of dollar bills that players come with. That's how much weight that a player who has a qualifying offer attached to him carries. You saw it last year with Dallas Keuchel. He had to wait until well into the season after the draft. The draft is in June in Major League Baseball. Once the draft comes in June and you still haven't signed, then your qualifying offer is expired and you don't lose a draft pick if you sign the player. What does this all mean? This means the rules are gonna change in the new collective bargaining agreement that comes due in 2021. This means that out of the 10 players, I am pretty confident that you're gonna have more than just two players who are going to accept the qualifying offer. The list of players goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. The first player is Garrett Cole. We all know what's gonna happen with him. Then, of course, Steven Strasburg. Qualifying offer? Free agent? Yes, he was. What about Jose Abreu? Jose Abreu of the White Sox, the slugger? Qualifying offer? Let's talk about Jose Abreu. He's a DH in the American League. $17.8 million. Do you think he's gonna get more? All he can be is a DH. He really doesn't play in the field, so it's just the American League teams. Maybe he gets two years for 25. If I'm Jose Abreu, I'm accepting that qualifying offer, and if I'm the White Sox, I'm none too happy because I wanna use that money for a major free agent. But they had to offer him the qualifying offer. Jose Abreu may very well accept it. Who else? Madison Baumgartner. Remember him? Three-time World Series champion. He now has a qualifying offer attached to him. Will he resign with the Giants to stay home? Do you think his family may say to him, hey, you can get $17.8 million. Just say yes, and we don't have to move. We can stay in our rental. We can play for a team that's gonna lose a hundo next year. It'll be great. I don't know if he'll accept. I think not. Josh Donaldson of the Atlanta Braves. Josh Donaldson of the Atlanta Braves. Remember him? One year, $23 million. It's what he signed last year when he had a qualifying offer attached to him. He does not have a qualifying offer attached to him any longer. Marcelo Zuna does have one for the first time ever. Remember the former Marlin? He's an outfielder. He played for the Cardinals. For those of you who are not huge baseball fans, you may remember him batting cleanup for the team in St. Louis, and he had a beard that was blonde and then dark, and you sort of couldn't figure out what he was doing? Well, this is my guy, Marcelo Zuna, and having a qualifying offer for him is not a great situation because someone will have to sign him to a long-term deal and give up a pick. So the moral of my story is that we've got to wait to see, and this is the special wait to see part of the show. And this is my favorite part. No, I actually love the whole show. Is that okay to say when you love your own show? I do, I enjoy it every day, and I'm thankful to everyone who works on it with me. Special guest appearance by Andrew Bomber today, producing In the Ear, being very quiet, though he told me when we were like 11 minutes away from being done, but I forgot how long ago that was. But 
the interesting part about wait to see is that I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to tell you when I get one right and when I get one wrong. My wait to see is over. The total number of players who will accept the qualifying offer, it will be over two and a half. Why do I set the market at two and a half? Because it's either going to be two or three. If it's two, I lose. If it's three, I win. Jake Odorizzi, I think, accepts a qualifying offer. I don't think he gets $17.8 million a year from any team. I think he takes the one year, pitches well for the Twins, helps them win, and then goes back into free agency. He doesn't want to compete with the Strasburgs and the Coles of the world. I think Jose Abreu accepts, and I think Will Smith accepts. That's three players who I think are slam dunks, which is why I'm telling you to take the over. If you can find someone to book that bet, book it. But for us here at Nothing Personal, that's a straight wait to see. Over two and a half players will accept qualifying offers. Well, I can only tell you that I am hearing one error is Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde are engaged. I actually thought they were fully married, engaged, married. Either way, he makes a cameo in Booksmart. Make sure you go see it. It is a compliment and a great job by Olivia Wilde. We got to cover a lot today. Listen to the tape on Anthony Davis, what he did. Dean Spanos lost his mind as the owner of the Chargers. MF and bleep, that was a quick show. Remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.